Turn with me to Matthew 7, please. Matthew 7. We've been on a series for some weeks now. We've called uh, Mercy Over Judgment. And I, I sense that we're nearing the end of this series. Not that we've exhausted everything, but just, you know, you unhook for now. And then uh, there's something else that should be emphasized. Everybody needs a balanced diet spiritually. And uh, only the Spirit of God knows church-wide, family-wide, where there's a deficiency that's been developing and something of a spiritual anemia can result if we don't get something on that subject. And so uh, that's why as pastors, we are not to just stay on one thing all the time. You, you need different things in different areas. It's all good and it's all right, but the Holy Spirit knows what we need right now. Look with me in Matthew 7 and verse 1. Matthew 7, 1, Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. Now, why did he tell us don't judge? For our personal benefit, right? So that we won't be judged. Keep reading. For, he said, with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. If we judge and don't repent, we will be judged. And that's a very bad thing for us. Judgment allows the destroyer access. And if the enemy can, he will still kill and destroy in any of our lives. Now, he cannot just indiscriminately at his whim and will come and destroy in your life. He'd like to have you believe that, but it's just not true. He's not as big and bad as he cracks himself up to be. He has to find access, a way to get to you. That's why the scripture says, don't give him any place. Don't give him any access, which means you can but you shouldn't, don't have to. That's right. And one of the big ways that he gets access to Christians, to everybody, is by tempting us to judge. Amen. You will be tempted Amen. to judge other people. Most likely for the days out. <laughs> I'm serious. You have to really... Get serious in yourself and make up your mind that you're not going to judge or else you will be. Because there will come temptations and feelings to find fault with, to accuse, to desire for somebody to pay for what they've done, etc., etc. And even though they may have done something bad and wrong, even though they may be guilty, if you want them to pay... Guess what? You're going to have to pay too. That's how it works. <laughs> but if we show mercy instead of judging, then we will receive mercy instead of being judged. So we need to be on our guard that the enemy is coming to tempt us to judge other people. And it's not just about us not being nice to them and saying unkind things to them. The enemy is trying to set us up. If he can get us to judge them, then he can get to us. He can get, get us judged, get access to us. He said in Luke 6, you don't have to turn there, but he says in Luke 6:37, similar thing, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. We looked at scripture where Jesus said, if we won't forgive each other, the Father won't forgive us. Now, I think a lot of times folks don't want to look at that scripture. They don't want to acknowledge that. But Jesus said it. It's got to be true. 
And what's the solution? But I don't like to think about God not forgiving me. It's real easy. Forgive everybody else. Right? Well, I've tried and I just can't. That's a lie. You either don't understand what forgiveness is or just playing dumb. No, forgiving somebody is not about how you feel about them. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's compared to releasing of debt. If you feel like they owe me, they owe me to pay me back, to, to make it up to me. They at least owe me an apology, an explanation. They've done me wrong. They owe me. And you want them to pay. Well, forgiveness is like if they owed you $1,000 and there was a paper contract about it. And you just took it and tore it up and said, you don't owe me that anymore. Amen. Well, day after tomorrow, you something might come up that you need $1,000. And you think, man... Why did I do that? I could have used that $1,000. Yeah, but you already did. Is that right? You tore up the paper. And that's how you got to see forgiveness. You say, by faith, I forgive them. I release them. They don't owe me anything. And if next week something reminds you of what they did and it stirs you up and it makes you mad, that doesn't mean a thing. You say, that doesn't matter. I forgave them. Is that right? Doesn't matter how I feel about it. It was a choice that I made and I did it by faith. In fact, that's what Luke says here in the Young's literal translation in, in verse 37. Judge not that you may not be judged. Condemn that you may not be condemned. Release and you shall be released. You release it. What's the opposite of releasing something? Holding it. Holding on to it. Holding it against them. And people will tell you all the time, well, I can't help it. That's a lie. It's not that you can't forgive them. You won't. You won't. You could if you would. It's not about feeling. It's about faith and choice. And if you don't want to do it for them, do it for yourself. (laughs) So you won't get judged, right? And so you will be forgiven. Now with these things in mind... Go with me to the book of Hebrews, the ninth chapter. Our study of this wouldn't be complete if we didn't deal with what we're going to touch on right now in this verse. Judgment is one of the principles, foundational principles, of the doctrine of Christ. Hebrews talks about it, mentioning the principal doctrines of Christ, repentance from dead works, faith toward God. Doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Two of these handful of the principles of the doctrine of Christ have to do with what's coming soon. The resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. In Hebrews 9, are you there? 27. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto men once to die. Now a lot of folks misquote this. They'll say it's appointed unto man a time to die. That's not what it said. What did it say? And the reason I bring that up is because there's some misconceptions people have that people say, well, you know, when your number's up... That's it. And their idea is at 3.15 on a Thursday afternoon, it's a predetermined time, a time appointed for you to die. But that can't be right because other scriptures say bloody and deceitful men won't live out half their days. And in numerous verses in Proverbs said, if you do this and do that, it will prolong your days. It will add to your life years. So that's just not true. That there is a preset time. There is a season. Job, in the book of Job it talks about this. That if you're blessed, you come to the point of death in a full age like a shock of corn comes in its season. There's a season 
of time to go. Not an hour on an afternoon on a day. You know, Paul talked about this in Philippians. He said, uh, I got a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better than being here. But it's needful. You need me to stay here with you and help you. And which I shall choose, I don't know. Is that true or not? He said, whether I stay a while longer or whether I go, I hadn't decided. Now, see, a lot of people say, well, that ain't up to you, Paul. I mean, when, the, when your number's up, buddy, you go up. No, that's just wrong thinking. That's not what the Bible says. But if the Lord tears his coming, all of us have an appointment <laughs> during a season of time with death. We're not going to live down here forever, and who wants to? But after this, the judgment. After this, the judgment. There's coming. What's what's in front of us? If the Lord tears his coming, we're going to live out our life. We're going to breathe our last. We're going to slip out of our body. We're going to go to be with him. And then after that, there's coming the day of judgment. And the Bible has much to say about this. And one of the things that will help us not judge each other here is to realize it's not time for judgment. That comes later. (laughs) And I'm not the judge, nor are you. There is a judge who will judge in time to come. Can you see this, friends? Go with me to 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4. We're talking about something that is awesome. (laughs) Awesome. And it is, we're headed towards it just as surely as you're sitting here in these chairs. Time is moving towards that. And I know there's a lot of people that don't believe it. And there's millions on the planet that scoff, don't believe in God, don't believe in Jesus. But there's going to come a time when they're going to be standing in front of the throne. Whether they believe it or not. If the Bible's true, it's surely coming to pass. And I'm convinced it is. How about you? 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says this. Well, let's back up to verse 1. He said, let a man account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. With me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or judged by you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. Now, we need a revelation of this. When you know the truth... And you know who the real judge is and what's going to happen. It don't bother you much when other people pronounce their declarations about you. Because you know it doesn't really matter what they think and say. Because they're not the judge. And their little definements and decisions about you carry no weight. Because there is coming a time when there's going to be a real judgment. And there is a real judge. And what he says matters. Not what they say. It gives you a security most people don't have. Well they said this about me. You need to ask yourself the question. Who are they? And what does it matter? (laughs) What they said. Because the the answer to that will relieve you. He said, with me, verse 3, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you. Little bitty thing. And verse 4, for I know nothing by myself or against myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judges me is the Lord. Now this is Paul, an apostle, born again, spirit filled. If this is true about him, it's true about me and you, that we... He that judges me is the Lord. And he that judges you is the Lord. 
Verse 5. Therefore, with this understanding, judge nothing before the time. Everybody say that out loud. Judge nothing before the time. Let's say it again a couple of times. Judge nothing before the time. One more time. Judge nothing before the time. What time? When? Until the Lord comes. And he will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts and then shall every man have praise of God. Now here, when most people hear judgment, it just sounds scary to them. But notice what he winds up with at this judgment, getting praised of God. The judgment does not just involve pronouncement of guilt and punishment. The judgment involves pronouncement of reward and praise from God for faith and faithfulness and service to him. So there's some folks that don't even know it that should be dreading that day, (laughs) but they don't even know it because they don't believe it. And there are other folks who are to be looking forward to that day. And the folks that don't know it, that should be dreading it, they could get right with God and dread it no longer. But it is coming. You know, uh, there was times in Jesus' ministry when the evil spirits would cry out. And they'd say, we know who you are. We know who you are. Son of God, have you come To torment us, what? Before the time. They know a time is coming. That they will be judged and cast into the lake of fire. But they know it's not yet. (laughs) And so they were trying to plead their case. You're early. You're early. It's It's not time. And it wasn't time. Say it again. Judge nothing. Before the time. time. What time? Read read the rest of it. Until the time, we could say, when the Lord will come. And he's going to bring to light hidden things of darkness. And will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. Jesus said more than once. He said, there is nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. Didn't he say that? And there's a lot of people. Who've been evil and thought they got away with stuff because they didn't get convicted and sentenced in this life. But honey, that's not all there is to it. This life is not all there is. Nobody ever gets away with anything. What you can do is be washed by the blood. Oh, hallelujah. Washed by the blood. And not be judged because he was judged in our place. But if you don't put faith in that and receive that. There remains a fearful looking for of judgment. That will come on those ungodly and unbelievers. Judge nothing before the time. Until the Lord comes. Who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. And will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. Now go with me to 2 Corinthians, please. The fifth chapter. This is a little different than what you we normally have gotten into. It's, it's, it's sobering. It's awesome. But when you know the truth and you're where you're supposed to be, it doesn't scare you. Now it'd scare you if you didn't. <laughs> That's for sure. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6, he said, Therefore we are always confident, knowing 
that whilst we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. We're not with the Lord in his presence physically or in spirit to spirit. He's here by his spirit, but physically his body's at the right hand of the throne. And as long as we're in this body, we're not physically with him. Verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We're walking with him by faith because he's not here in the flesh. Verse 8, we're confident. I say, and willing rather, willing rather to be absent from the body. Here's Revelation. Paul's saying, I'd rather leave the body and be present with him. That's better than being in the home in the body and absent from him. Willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Keep going. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us. We must all. Paul's including himself, isn't he? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body when we were here in the body. According to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. But we are manifest to God, and I trust also made manifest in your consciences. Everybody say conscience. We're willing, whether absent or present, we want to be acceptable to him and pleasing to him. How can you do that? It comes right back to your conscience. Your conscience. The Lord knows what we know, and he knows what we don't know. And he only holds us accountable for the light he knows we have. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, hallelujah, the blood of Jesus continuously cleanses us from all sin. But to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. If you know better than you're doing, then you're not okay. Need to repent. Right? But the blood of the Lamb makes up the difference in what we don't know as long as we're walking in the light. He said, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Go over to Romans 14. I'm going to give you a little extra scripture today, but nothing I could say about the scripture would be any more important than the scripture. And let's let this. Uh, a lot of people have ideas. About the future. And judgments. And people have. There's tradition that has broken down. Different times and different things. But I, I urge you to question it. Do not just accept. What you hear somebody say. Where is it? In the scriptures. Where is it at? Which is why I want to carefully just read the scriptures and let them stand on their own. Romans 14. 14 and 4. He said, who are you that judges another man's servant? Two big truths here. Our text is, Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. And these things we're talking about today will help us not to judge. Number one, it's not time to judge. Judge nothing before the time. There's coming a time when things are going to be judged. Number two, I'm not to judge. It's not time and I'm not him. And if it's not time to judge, what am I doing judging? And if I'm not to judge, what am I doing judging? Are y'all with me, friends? 
And when it is real to us that there is coming a time when everything's going to be judged. And the righteous judge will sit on the throne and he will judge. He will make bare and open the intents of men's hearts that you never knew and I never knew. And that's one of the big reasons why we shouldn't judge. We're not qualified to judge. We don't know their heart. But he does. We don't know what they knew and what they didn't know. But he does. So only he is qualified to do this. Who are you that judges another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Yea, he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, uh, verse 8. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. We want to need to live with an awareness that all the human beings that have lived on the planet before us did not cease to exist. They still exist. And they, all of them and us and any who will come after us, are going to be judged fairly in that day to come. According to our life and what we did in this life, in this body, in this flesh. Jesus said some interesting things about people that had not been alive on the earth for centuries. He said, for instance, he said, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah are going to judge this generation in that day. Well, I thought, did you think Sodom and Gomorrah was, was gone? No. All those people still exist. He mentioned different groups of people. And he said they're going to stand up. And judge those that lived in generations after them. He he mentioned Nineveh. He said the people of Nineveh are going to stand up. And judge the generation that condemned Jesus. Because they repented when Jonah preached. And a far greater than Jonah stood in their streets and preached and they didn't repent. Come on, can you see this? But see, he mentions, he talks about these past generations and their involvement in future things. All the generations that have lived before us have not perished. They are not gone. They have not ceased to exist. They all still exist. (laughs) And we need to live with that awareness. It's not just the people on the planet. It's all the people that have gone before us. Some of them under the earth. Some of them in heaven. Beings. The Bible talks about in Philippians. Beings under the earth. Beings on the planet. Beings in heaven. Billions of them. And God has the responsibility of judging us all. He said, whether we live, we live to the Lord. Whether we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord. Somebody say, I am the Lord's. Lord's. I'm his in this life. life. I'm I'm his in death. He said, for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you set at naught your brother? See, it is, in God's eyes, it is arrogance for us to judge each other. Acting like we're the judge. Acting like we know things we don't know. Acting like we hadn't missed it in the same ways they've missed it. In his eyes, it is, that's why he keeps saying, who do you think you are? Who, who do you imagine that you are? You are not the judge. You are not qualified 
What should be shown from us to our fellow man in their weaknesses and their failures and their mistakes? If we're going to be honest, we've messed up. We've made mistakes, right? And God had mercy on us and forgave us. What should we do? Have mercy on them and forgive them. And if we're going to be honest, we don't know their heart. We don't know why they did what they did. Maybe it's obvious it was wrong, but you you might be able to judge what was done, but you don't judge them. Because you don't know them. Even if you live with them for 40 years, you don't know their heart. You don't know. But he does. Why do you judge your brother? Why do you set it not your brother? Why? For we shall all. This is New Testament Romans. Who's this applied to? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not, therefore, judge one another anymore. But judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Amen. We don't want to see them pay. <laughs> we want to see them make it. Amen. Is that right? Amen. We don't want to hinder them or hold them up. We want to help them. Yes, sir. We quote this sometimes, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. The specific application of this is at the day of judgment. And there are blasphemers, people who curse God and mock the Christ and mock people like us. In that day, they will hit their knees and they will acknowledge because the fear of God will fall on all creation. And the, uh, uh, the Bible said that uh, the, the kings of the earth would cry out for the rocks to fall on them and cover them. And, and everything would flee away and there is no hiding from him. And all of the scoffers and mockers and cursers and blasphemers, every one of them will bow their knees and say, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Every one of them. It'll be late for many of them, but they'll do it. Aren't you glad you're doing it now? Now. Not out of fear and terror. Not before judgment, impending judgment. But we do it out of love. We do it out of faith. Nobody's making us do it. It's our choice. Hallelujah. And we'll be His. In that day. And he will acknowledge us. You've never been so happy. For somebody to call your name. As when the king of kings. Calls your name. And says they are mine. They are mine. They are mine. Didn't Jesus say it. If you deny me. Before men. I'll deny you. But if you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father and his angels. I think we have little idea what that's going to mean to us on that day, which is surely coming to all the earth. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord has given, God the Father, has given all judgment to Jesus. Go to the book of John, please. The book of John, chapter 5. You're going to John 5. Let me read something to you from Acts 17.31 while you're going there. You're going to John 5. In Acts 17.31, it says, He has appointed a day. In the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained. God the Father is going to judge all humanity by Jesus. That's how it's going to be done. 
whereof he has given assurance to all men in that he has raised him from the dead. That's the proof (laughs) that he is who he is and he is worthy to be this and do this. He is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world and the firstborn of those risen from the dead. Hallelujah. He is the risen Savior. King of kings, Lord of lords, righteous judge of all. He is uniquely qualified to judge us and all humanity. Look in John 5. John 5. Verse 21. For as the Father raises up the dead, this is John 5, 21, and quickens them. Even so the Son quickens whom he will. For the Father judges no man. Now, this throws a wrench in some people's eschatology teachings. Which is why I said, examine what you've heard about these things. Where is it in the scriptures? The Father judges no man. He has committed all judgment to the Son. And then he explains why. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son, honors not the Father which has sent him. There is no salvation by believing in God without accepting Jesus. Don't let anybody fool you. Verily, verily, I say to you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life. Is that you? Is that you? Have you heard his word? Do you believe on him? Then you have everlasting life and you shall not come into condemnation. You shall not come into condemnation. But you're passed from death unto life. Woo! (laughs) Verily, verily, I say to you, the hour is coming. And now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And they that hear shall live. Oh, you talk about a voice. I mean, the dead are going to hear this. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself. And has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. See, there could be those standing before the Father in judgment. There'd be many who would say, you're God. You don't know what it's like to live on the earth and be subjected to the weaknesses and frailties. You've never been weak a day in your life. You you can't be tempted with evil. You don't know what it's like. How can you judge us? And because of that, he has committed all judgment to the Son, who is not only God, but he is the Son of Man. And he became flesh and dwelt among us. And he was tempted in all points, just like us. And nobody will ever be able to say, Jesus, you don't understand. Oh, yes, he does. Not only does he understand everything you went through, he was pushed much further. Hebrews says, you have not sweat blood resisting sin, have you? Uh-uh, I haven't. Have you ever? Have you ever been tempted so sorely and pushed so far that blood came out of your pores just because you were resisting it? He has. He's been where you are and far beyond it, proving nobody had to yield to sin. Nobody had to be rebellious. Nobody had to disobey. Nobody had to be. There is no excuse for sin. Period. 
Thank God there's forgiveness for sin. And there's cleansing for sin. But all this, I couldn't help it. I'm doing the best I can. Lies, deception, untrue. Jesus proved that when he lived and walked as a man and perfectly pleased the Father every day of his life and never succumbed to sin. Prove He did it as a man with no unfair advantage over you or I. Philippians said he laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory and became like other men. So he is uniquely qualified. To be the judge of all mankind. And he is and he will be. He said uh, verse 28. Marvel not at this. Well, let me read 27 again. He's given him authority. To execute judgment also. Because he is the son of man. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming. In the which all that are in the graves. Shall hear his voice. And shall come forth. They that have done good. Unto the resurrection of life. They that have done evil. Unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of my own self do nothing, Jesus said. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Amen. He has no personal agenda. He, is, he will judge mankind before the Father as to what is perfectly right and just and fair and the will of God. Amen. Hallelujah. It is an awesome thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. Do we need to have it in our thinking, in our mind? The Bible said it'll help you live a holy life. First John talks about it'll help you live a holy life if you live with an awareness that in just a short amount of time, all this is going to be done and we're all going to be standing before that judgment seat. Go with me to the book of Revelation. Now let me remind you of two things that apply to us immediately. Is it time to judge? Judge nothing before the time. It's not time for me to judge you. It's not time for you to judge me. Are you the judge? Am I the judge? Is there a judge? Oh yeah. There is a judge. One. One. Who is uniquely qualified. He is God and he is man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he is qualified to be the judge. And we'll see it right here in Revelation 20 verse 1. We're going to read a few verses. Because this will transport us into the future. Jesus revealed through John what is coming in the future. And if you'll notice, this is only a couple of chapters away from the end of the Bible. Amen. <laughs> Chapter 20. And uh, much had already happened. Judgment, judgment, judgment. But in chapter 20, verse 1, John saw what's going to happen. He said, I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit. The word for that in the Greek is the abyss. And a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. And they fought for 500 years. Uh-uh. Nah, there's no fight. He grabbed him and slapped the chains on him and threw him in the abyss and shut the door. He ain't as bad as he cracks himself up to be. Depends on who he's dealing with. He's dealing with a little ignorant human that don't know who they are. Oh yeah, he's bad stuff. But let one of these big angels get a hold of him. It's not even a fight. Not even a struggle. Not even a struggle. (laughs) Demons leave the room when you start talking about this. They do not want to hear this. I'm telling you, they they put their fingers in their ears and go, nah, 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 nah. Because they know it's coming. And they know the time is short. If it was short then, it's surely short now. Is that right? 
And that's why they would say, oh, we know who you are. We know, we know, we know. Are you come to torment us for the time? Don't torment us before the time. It's not time. It's not time. We got a little bit of time. (laughs) But here, time is up. Time is done. And he threw him in this abyss, bound up with a chain for a thousand years. Cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him. That he should deceive the nations no more. Till the thousand years should be fulfilled. After that he must be loosed a little season. Now you would think. After a thousand years of cooling your heels. You might get an idea. That you should change. But it just proves. That no matter how much time. You would give him and those that follow him. He's not going to change. And if beings are never going to change, they're never going to repent, they're never going to submit to God, something has to be done with them. I don't want them living next to me in heaven. How about you? Something's got to be done with them. They have to be removed. And that falls to God. That falls to the master. Only he's qualified to do this. And he said, I saw thrones and they sat upon them. And judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received the mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Did you know the scripture says we will rule and reign with him? The scripture says we will judge angels. Have you read that? We are being groomed right now to rule and reign and execute judgment in his kingdom under him. Not to be judged. Jesus was judged in our place. But to be judges. Not now. We're not there. It's not time. We're not qualified. But there's coming a time we are going to sit on thrones too. And we're going to judge. Verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. There's going to be a resurrection of those in Christ, of the church. And the rest of the dead are not going to be raised at that time. That's going to happen later. Verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death, which includes hell and the lake of fire, has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. I'm looking at them. I'm looking at some of them. I said I'm looking at some of them. I'm looking at some of them. Those on the internet, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at some of them. Priests of God. Priests of the Christ. I'm going in that first load. How about you? I'm going in the first round. Somebody say, I am first round pick. (laughs) I am first round pick. He chose me. And by the grace of God, I chose him after he chose me. And I'm going in the first round. The first resurrection. And the devil is going to be removed from influencing mankind. And we're going to have a thousand years of amazing things without his evil influences. Kingdom of God. All the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdoms of our Lord. The eternal, all these kingdoms that exist now are very, very temporary. All that's going to last past all this is the eternal kingdom of God. Of which we are a part. Keep reading. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison 
And what does he do? As soon as he gets out, he goes to deceive the nations. I mean, a thousand years cooling his heels did nothing to change him. He's never going to change. He's not going to repent. So he needs to be removed. He went to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. After a thousand years of the influence of the kingdom of God without the deceiver, he's still able to deceive people and talk them into fighting against God and rebelling against God. Insane. And yet, it's going to happen. And when they went up on the breadth of the earth and they compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Ain't nobody going to have to fight on this. God said, stand back. I'm going to take care of this myself. (laughs) You can tell he is done. He is done with all this. He's not going to. Everything is coming to a close. He's not going to allow this anymore. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Keep going. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Where the beast and the false prophet are and they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Wasn't God's choice. It's their choice. And no matter how long they had and how many opportunities to repent, they did not and they would not, proving they would never, no matter how much time you gave them. And I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for him. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, According to their works. This is every human being who's ever lived. From the beginning to this time. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Which remember the previous verse has no power over those in the first resurrection. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. Remember when the disciples had been casting out spirits and exercising authority in the name of Jesus, they came back just exhilarated and said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. And he said, I'm going to paraphrase. He said, that's great. That's great, boys. But what you ought to really be excited about is your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Is your name in that book? (laughs) Woo. Ah. We should be so happy, according to Jesus. We should be thrilled and exhilarated. No matter what's happening and what people would call a bad day. Let's say you had three flat tires and your refrigerator quit and you had the sniffles and four people is talking bad about you. Come on, are you listening? (laughs) And your money is half of what you need it to be. You ought to stop right in the middle of it and go, my name. My name. Is in the Lamb's book of life. So this, this, this ain't nothing. This ain't nothing. This is lasting about that much longer. My name. Come on, somebody say, my name, my name, my name, my name. My name is in the Lamb's book of life. This is a powerful thing that will help us 
and put strong hope and confidence and expectation in us every day of our life. I've had the I had the Spirit of God help me in times when the enemy was trying to mess with me. In this very thing I'm talking to you right now. The enemy, he'll come. He's a persistent cuss. And he'll come and he'll try to badger you. And one of his favorite things is, what are you going to do? <laughs> See, you've heard that one too. Haven't you? See, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You don't know it. You don't understand that, do you? Why did this happen? Why did that not happen? What are you going to do? 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 What? What are you going to do? And, and if you're not smart, you'll go, what am I going to do? And you, you'll just let it play over and loop in your heart and mind. So the enemy was trying to bug me like that. On this particular occasion, and, and, and there were some things that we needed, and some things I didn't know, didn't understand, and, and, and just kept on playing. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And thank God, the greater one inside me, the Spirit of God, he quickened me. He said, why don't you ask him what he's going to do? And oh, I got it. I got it. I, I, just like a flash. And I just got flat sassy. I said, yeah. Oh, you, you concerned about me? You concerned about me? You wonder what I'm going to do? What are you going to do? What are, what are you going to do? Have you read? Have you read in the Bible? It said your time is short. Short. Tick tock. Tick tock. Your time is short. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Have you read what we just read today? Have you read? There's a big angel coming. Big. Big. He's looking for you. And he's got chains. And he's going to slap them on you. And he's going to throw you in the pit. And shut the door. What are you going to do? 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 What? (laughs) And by then, he's out of there. He does not want to hear. He knows it's true. He's out of there. And you say, hey, I don't even have any problems besides you. I mean, if I, if I missed and, and didn't receive half of what I need to and fell dead and died young and prematurely right now, I'm saved. I am got my name in the Lamb's book of life. I'm saved. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm part of the eternal kingdom and plan of God. I don't have any troubles beside of you. (laughs) Use that on him. I encourage you. Use it. Just whenever it's handy, use it on him. In closing, I think, go to. First, John, I'm going to read something to you from one place, and then, then I think we'll read this. Put up on the screen 1 Corinthians 11, 31. You're going to 1 John 4. 1 Corinthians 11:31 says, For if we would judge ourselves, what would happen? We should not be judged. What's the key to us not being judged? Number one, as we've studied, don't judge other people. Number two, do judge yourself. Verse 32 But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be, what? Condemned with the world. Look at the Amplified in that 32nd verse, if you would. At the Amplified. He said, when we are judged by the Lord, we're disciplined and chastened so that what that we may not finally be condemned to eternal punishment along with the world Hallelujah. Christians getting judged in this lifetime is actually mercy Timothy says there are some things that are obvious now and others go before to judgment 
If there's anything that you hadn't dealt with that you need to be dealt with about, you want it done here and now. Come on, are you with me? Not then and there. Not later. And so even in judgment for the believer in this life, there's mercy. It's mercy so that we won't be condemned with the world. But what's the highest and the right thing, the best thing? Judge yourself and what? You won't be judged. Now in 1 John 4, 1 John 4, also near the end of the the Bible as you can see, verse 14, we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. This is the big deal. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we've known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. That's not cowering in fear. That's standing up boldly, not arrogantly, but confidently. Because why? The one who sits to judge me, the one to whom God has given all judgment over men, That one is in me, and I am in him, and he has already been judged for my sins and risen from the dead, free from that sin. And so what I am viewed and you are viewed now, we are viewed as his righteousness. Oh, somebody say glory to God. How in the world? Could you have boldness in the day of judgment? Because the one who's sitting on the throne to judge is the one I'm made like. Is the one whose righteousness I have. As he is, so am I. Oh, hallelujah, say it out loud. As he is, so am I. I'm not groveling before the throne a terrible failure and a miserable sin-filled cursed individual who deserves to be punished with the devil and his crew I was that but I've been washed by the blood of the lamb Hallelujah. hallelujah when he was crucified I was crucified with Christ in Christ When he was raised from the dead, justified from all sin, I was raised from the dead, justified from all sin. As he is, the one sitting on the throne, so am I. Oh, hallelujah. As he is, so am I. Hallelujah. Which is why Jude says, keep yourselves, verse 21. In the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. What are we looking forward on that day? We're looking mercy. Mercy. That's what the scripture said in James. If you judge and don't show mercy, you'll be judged without mercy. But if you'll forgive, if you'll show mercy like mercy was shown to you, it said Mercy rejoices over judgment. When everybody else is getting judged that have rejected him, you and I are not going to get judged. We're going to get rewards for every good thing. Oh, hallelujah. That we're able to. What about all the bad stuff? Washed by the blood. Washed by the blood. Jesus was judged in our place. And so the scripture says, 
now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Don't you know we're going to be exceeding joyful? Instead of getting judged, we have mercy. Instead of being seen through our faults and failures, we're seen through the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. And he claims us that we are his. And the blood off the mercy seat speaks over us and says, they are innocent. They are clean. They deserve no punishment. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. 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 To him that's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and ever. Amen. Stand up everybody. Lift up your hands. Let's worship him. Let's praise him. If you believe that day is coming. And you believe how awesome and even how terrible it will be for some. Oh, let's thank him for mercy shown to us in that day. Let's thank him for the goodness and kindness of our Savior and the redemption that has been wrought for us. Oh, lift up your hands. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we glorify you. Lord, we exalt you. We extol you. Oh, we praise you. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.